0: Welcome to Day 10 of the Critics Not Cynics, 31 Days of Horror Spectacular. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about a movie that uh, I was a little reticent to bring up as a recommendation. It's a lower budget film. It's from the early 2000s. It's probably not a great movie objectively, but it is one that I came across on Netflix a long time ago, and a little backstory on Netflix. I used to do the DVD as well as the streaming, and every time I would look for you know new DVDs to watch, I basically always went to horror. I wanted to see what new horror movies what were out or what uh, movies I hadn't seen. Um, just trying to devour anything horror related. And I came across this one, and this is something that happens with me a lot, where there's just this undefinable quality about a film that I just adore, or it's something that I'm really intrigued by, but I can't really say what it is. Uh, A movie that is similar to that is uh, Evil Things. Uh, an, an independent found footage horror film. Um, you know, there's just something about the movie itself that doesn't quite make sense to me, but it, it's something that it, it has my attention and I can rewatch it over and over and over again. Uh, so American Nightmare is very much a film like that. Uh, so I apologies beforehand if you go and watch this movie on uh, Prime. It's streaming on there for free. Uh, and you don't like it. I can understand why you wouldn't like it. But this movie just kind of holds a special place in my heart. The acting is not great. Uh, it's very uneven amongst the characters. Like the, the leads are really good. The serial killer can overact a lot. Especially at the beginning and definitely near the end. But she does have kind of a creepy quality to her. And it's one of the few movies that... Uh, you know, one of the few horror films, at least of that time, that was had a female antagonist as, as well as a female protagonist. Um, so American Nightmare, the basic premise of that is a deranged female serial killer stalks seven people whom phone in to a radio call in show to discuss their darkest fears. And then a night long game of cat and mouse is put into motion by the dark, sinister looking murderess. And the radio show that they call into is a kind of a pirate radio show. Um, they are all kind of college age adults. Uh, it's not really clear if they are students or if they're just a group of friends. This definitely has like a friends vibe to it, in the sense of it's you know a group of seven friends. They all have this kind of coffee house that they all. Uh, uh, patronize, and uh, they are all you know. They all know each other. Some of them are in relationships with each other. A couple of them are sisters. Uh, the the main lead is is a sister, and you know, and you kind of have your or You kind of have your jock. You kind of you know you have your smart girl. Uh, so I mean. It feels like it's kind of riding off the curtails of Friends, because I would assume that this. I think this movie came out a couple years after Friends ended, and that was kind of an aesthetic that they were trying to go for with their characters. And so, when you're watching a movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. And and it takes place on Halloween night. Uh, now the film opens with a, a short scene where uh, these two girls and uh, their boyfriends are kind of out in the woods and they're getting ready they're trying to wait for some friends i think to show up but then no one's really kind of showing up and you kind of get a little bit of a backstory about this nurse who uh was arrested or, or brought in for questioning for murdering uh patients or stealing from patients and uh the girls as they're going to like go use the bathroom all of a sudden hear the guys scream and they're thinking they're messing with them and that's all just kind of a prank and uh, then they kind of come back to the campsite, and the guys are dead. And then the one girl gets killed, and then uh, the other girl kind of gets grabbed by the killer. And, you know, she just does this, and this is where I'm saying, like, she's very over the top because of the screaming she does as she, you know, gets ready to murder her. I also really like the opening credits for this movie. I think it's very clever because it's opening with... Uh, Caligari, who's played by Chris Ryan, you don't really ever see his face a whole lot. I think at most you see the his you know bottom half of his jaw, and that's intentional because he's got the very much the radio voice, and his radio voice is one of the things I really like about this. Um, but he's setting up his kind of pirate radio station for the show, and as he's like kind of sitting down, CD cases that's showing you know the actors that are starring in the movie, the, you know, casting director, the producer, the writer, the director, the name of the film. And I think that that's a very clever intro. I mean, it's very low key. It's very low budget, but they, it's, it's charming. Um, so the main characters you have is Jane Toppin, who is Debbie Roshan, uh, played by Debbie Rashan And that's your, that's your killer. I mean, it's no spoiler. You see her from the beginning. Um, and she's the one who kind of is stalking the group of friends. And then you have Jesse McLean, played by Brandy Little, who is uh, the sister of the one of the girls that was murdered. Now this film, or the rest of the film is taking place the Halloween after. So it's been a year since the murders, and they're kind of, you know, doing a little bit of a memoriam in some sense. and 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 Jesse hasn't quite, overcome the grief of losing her sister uh, and you also introduced to trish who is her i think it's trish i might be getting that wrong that might be the name of the other sister uh, i apologies if that's so uh, but she has a younger sister who's also there and then it's the you know wayne uh Huckam is played by johnny sneed who's kind of got the love interest for Jesse, he's kind of you know the guy's t- too shy to say anything to her, but you know is really good friends with her. He's also kind of like a he's a film nerd, and that's one that's one aspect of him I really like. Uh, you know they're playing a game where they're running off these random quotes from horror films and seeing if he can name both the character or not the character, but the actor and the movie. And he gets every single one, and one of the friends tries to, you know, do an obscure one and and he still gets it. And anyways, so they're listening to the 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 American Nightmare. It's the pirate radio show. and Caligari, I have to say this because this will this will upset a lot of people, and I knew something didn't sit right with me when I first watched the movie, and it wasn't until like later that I finally realized it. He talks about the the scene in Halloween where Tommy drops the pumpkin and runs into Michael Myers. Um, but he calls him Billy and it's a little annoying and it takes you out of the movie a little bit. And it's also kind of frustrating because later on in the movie, when Jesse is babysitting, uh, a young girl, Halloween is playing on. And I think that even at one point you hear it playing on the background and it's Lori calling for Tommy. And it's like, how do you get that name wrong? How do you not catch that in, in edit? But uh, it's a little thing I can overlook. But each of the friends kind of call in and they all talk about what their fears are. And little do they know, but Jane, the killer, is sitting in the uh, cafe and she is hearing them talk about it. Of course, it's playing over the radio as well in, in the coffee uh, place. And they, so she hears about how or what each fear of the friends are. And the rest of the movie kind of really plays with this, and and she goes and targets each and every one of the friends and puts them in a situation that is linked to their fear. So I thought that's really clever, and I really like them using the, the female antagonist, the female ser- serial killer. We're starting to see more movies kind of finally taking that approach, but... We don't get that a whole lot, and I think that's a very intriguing aspect of this movie. Again, the acting's over the top. Like, the jock friend, um, like, when he's making some comments that get him in trouble a little bit, they're very poorly delivered. And I'm not one to really catch bad acting, but this is one that's so egregious that you're like, oh, man, you're like, reading these lines off in your head and you're not doing any type of inflection or you're just getting straight through your line into the next line. And it's a little bit frustrating on that. But uh, I think what really fascinates me about this film or or what I find compelling about it is that there's a lot of heart to it. I think I've talked about that a lot with a lot of these movies. But, like, the the characters the tragedies that they face like Jesse's tragedy dealing with the loss of her older sister and later the kidnap of her younger sister. And this being the, uh, so their mother had passed away like a couple of years before and it was in her mind, her responsibility to make sure everything was fine with the sisters like that they were taken care of. So she might actually be the oldest. I, I can't quite remember that small detail, but, regardless like she it for her it's like she feels like she's letting her mother down and that's a real tragedy i think like that anyone that loses their parent young or anyone that's raised their siblings and uh, that are a lot younger and the parents were a lot older and parents eventually passed away they kind of get that feeling of protectiveness and wanting to take care of a family and then when something tragic like the murder of one of one of your siblings uh makes you feel like you're a failure and that you failed your mother or you failed your parents and that's her main struggle through a lot of the film and I think that that's a really cool aspect that they that they explored with this that uh, John Keyes who's the writer-director he really definitely had a vision with it and he definitely wanted to kind of explore this sense of loss but also this sense of like overcoming it to go through the steps to you know come overcome those fears overcome those uh doubts and do something about it cuz the whole climax of the film is basically her coming to confront this killer who has who has taken so much from her and i think it's a very kind of strong meeting of of minds and personalities And although Wayne is very much uh, a hero character, he's definitely not a white knight or anything like that. He's got his own little failures. And there has got his own internal struggle that, like, I can identify with. Uh, He's very much got strong feelings for Jesse, but he doesn't know how to express it. Or if he's afraid that if he expresses it, uh, he's going to lose that friendship and that's not something he wants to do. And so, like, since this movie's playing on the idea and concept of fear... That's something that he himself is trying to overcome. and I, I, I think it's these things that really make me fast uh, you know, fascinated for the film and that allows me to like overlook its shortcomings, the low budget, the you know, very low key lighting, the the sound, the acting. But I will say, even though uh, Debbie Rashan's acting is very much over the top in certain parts, she does play the sly killer really well. And I mean, she when she's got to be seductive, she's seductive. Like when you hear her call into the, she calls into the radio station herself and does a little uh, play with with the host. And she's doing this kind of sensual uh, weird conversation, and she does it very well. Uh, and um, Jesse, played by Brandy, does a really good job of kind of playing this conflicted young woman who is dealing with a struggle, but also, you know, trying to be strong and just as like a genuine good person. And her character is very believable. And even like with Wayne, uh, you know, played by Johnny, he does a really good job of kind of being that good guy and that upstanding guy. And he's there for his friends and he's going to do anything and everything for them. And, you know you can really empathize, or at least I can empathize with his character and his, you know, feelings, and then overcoming that fear, talking to her and expressing or asking her out on a date, and because the feelings very mutual between them, but neither one of them willing to express it, and so it's uh, just these things, these moving parts that I think really make me love the movie, and I'm I can say like objectively, it's not a great movie, but subjectively, I I really enjoy it. Like, it's a movie I can watch all the time, and I've watched it several times since my first coming over it. And, like, I was, you know, eventually I got rid of the DVD, and then it had been streaming on Netflix, and then it went away from streaming on Netflix, and I was, like, so heartbroken. Then finally it was, like, streaming on Prime, and it's been, like, streaming on Prime for, like, almost three years now. So I don't think they intend on taking it off anytime soon. And I think it's worth a shot. Now one thing I do want to also say is uh, John Keyes followed this uh, I believe he followed this movie up with uh, Fall Down Dead uh, starring Dominique Swain another and, and Udo Kier and uh, it's another kind of lower budget but it's got more budget than this does and it's, uh, it's very interesting and it's a, definitely a step up in production value, uh, in acting in writing but one thing I really like about it is it's got a tie with this because at one point uh, in the movie, when they're when they're isolated in the building and they're trying to figure out how they're going to get past the serial killer, uh, you hear Caligari playing on the radio talking about his show. And I think that was really clever and really cool. And like, I don't think at the time I was watching Fall Down Dead uh, that I realized it was written and directed by the same uh, director by John Keys. So I don't think you can. I don't think you'll do yourself a disservice by giving it a shot. You don't know. Maybe you'll actually enjoy it. Uh, maybe you'll enjoy the things about it that I did, or maybe you'll find some other things that you like about it. Uh, I think it's very clever. It's interesting. Uh, it's fun. I I just had such a good time with it, and it's definitely one I can always watch. Um, Rating-wise, I think I'm going to go with a 3 out of 5. Uh, I think that that's being fair. Um. I think like the what I like about it really outshines what I don't like about it. Um, and I I I have to applaud again an independent film director taking what budget he could get and putting together a movie that for the most part really works. It's very interesting. Uh, it yeah, it doesn't hide the killer uh, who the killer is at all, but the cat and mouse game is really fun and really cool and it's a perfect one you know to watch on halloween or at least in the month of october because it's taking place on halloween so i hope you guys enjoyed this one and i hope you guys actually enjoy the movie please write in and or dm me on twitter uh, to let me know what you thought about it, if you watch it, you know if you don't watch it, no worries. But I would like to know what kind of a wider audience of people who've never experienced this film think about it. Do they see? Do you guys see what I see in it, or am I completely wrong? Because that's a strong possibility. I could be very wrong on this one, but I don't think I am. And I think if you're just a, if you appreciate film for film, I think you'll you'll like a lot about this one. So that's going to do it, and we'll see you guys on day 11.